Hello again and welcome to the Red Dwarf Intro Cast. Or I should say, welcome to the Epideme Virus Cast! Wow. Where, okay, just kidding. Uh, where we talk about Red Dwarf episode by episode, longtime fans and newbies alike, journey together into the darkest, deepest regions of space as we talk about the classic BBC comedy sci-fi series Red Dwarf. Uh, my name is Heath. I'm Angela. I'm Shane. And, and our I'm special Sam. Oh. Hi, Sam. Hello. Hello, Sam. Good to have you back. It's good to be back. Good to have your front too. I suppose they're both you know, just fine to have around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, this episode, we are talking about series seven, episode seven, venturing into new territory. Uh, Epideme, and we'll find out what that's about in just a moment. But first, Sam, you want to remind folks who you are and where you're from and all that sort of good stuff? You know what? I prepared a load of notes for this episode, but this was one of the things I didn't prepare for. Um, I'm Sam Highland. I post on Facebook. Uh, I also post on TFW2005 boards and fullmetalhero.com as Rotorstorm. I've also recently set up a Voices.com account, and I'm trying to break into that. Cool. What's Voices.com? Um, Voices.com, it's basically like a voice agency. Oh, so basically, neat. Basically, you go on there and there's job listings and it's, it's good for helping to start when you want to do voice acting and voiceover work and stuff like that. That's really that cool. That sounds awesome. Well, somewhere they are going to be making a, a, a Fellowship of the Rings animated series and you definitely need... To, to drop your name in the hat there. <laughs> uh, Elijah Wood's too busy. You can you can take his place. <laughs> cool. Well, again, good good to have you back. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Shane, tell us about the Epideme. The crew of Starbuck finds a woman frozen and barely alive aboard the starship Leviathan. But when she wakes up, it seems the only thing that kept her alive was the virus. She survives long enough to attack this and give him the deadly Epidine virus. The man-made Epidine was built with intelligence, so Crichton devised a method of communication in the hope that Lister will be able to reason with it not to kill him. Epidine refuses and then embark on a more drastic plan to draw Epidine into Lister's arm and cut it off. But one of the... The virus survives, even that, they have to take the ultimate step and to kill this before the virus can infect anyone else. Indeed. So, this finally answers the question what happened to Lister's arm? I guess. Future echoes. <laughs> yep. I was wondering Way how long back. it would take that elephant to come into the room. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, you remember future episodes, I mean, future echoes is, is still, I think. It's probably still in my top ten. It was really good sci-fi, and it was funny. Um, and yeah, and I, and I noticed like way back when that his arm was like metal. So I was wondering. Now we're going to uh, be waiting for when he comes up with his metal arm. I think he's going to steal one of Crichton's arms. Well, and then it Crichton like, will though... whine and whine and whine at him and never... <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I mean, well, I don't think I don't think that would happen really. Crichton, Crichton's the one who cut off his arm. He's more likely to be feeling really guilty about it. Yeah, like before the Kachansky thing, Crichton would have been the first to, oh, please, sir, take my arm. I would, and and 
But yeah, now we're in whiny crime. I'm not giving you my arm. You'd only use it to get closer to her. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows what my arm would be doing with her? Um, Yeah. Although I'm that's this episode wasn't the worst about that, but we'll we'll get to that in a bit. I will say though, before we get too much further, that now I'm seeing a bit of a paradox because. We have two time travel episodes. We have Future Echoes that gives us a hint of the future. We also have, um, okay, I just watched the episode to double check and now it's out of my head. Stasis Leak. There we go. Stasis Leak, in which he finds that he and Kachansky are married. Uh, But in Stasis Leak, his arm looked, at least his hand, what we could see, looked perfectly fine. Did not look like... A fake arm. I think so... it's, it's safe to say at this point that that reality has to be an alternative version of Lister. Um, Maybe. So it's that dimension theory dictates that new dimensions <laughs> have been created all the time. So there's no reason that it couldn't be a Lister in one dimension managed to actually get that time travel device and went back and married that Kachansky. But then why did. Um... Rimmer's self, when he went to that reality, properly send a message uh, through time to his three million years ago self, if that makes sense. Like, that's why I'm assuming that they have to be on the same space plane, at least, if not time plane. Well, the the Rimmer from that dimension will have traveled back with that Lister. Oh, so so they both just happen to do the same thing. The uh, Universe B Lister... And universe, I mean, universe B Rimmer and universe A Rimmer, uh, both sent the same message to their Rimmers. And okay, sure. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll try not to think I too hard. I wonder they had trouble that. filming it. <laughs> anyway, back to the episode. So Kent was wearing um, something really cool. <laughs> I want to say actually that the idea for Epidem came from poor uh, Rotus came from poor Alexander who's a writer mm-hmm. who had written a sketch for Jesper Carrot where he imagined what it would be like to communicate with a virus. Oh. He he brought his idea with him when he was asked to write for the series and exaggerated it in a Red Dwarf way. I like it. And the, the original story, it was going to be much more serious and much, and much more darker. Well, I've, I've got a quote here from Paul Alexander taken from the DVD. Uh, in the first draft, he was very Alan Rickman-esque, slightly pompous villain with witty one-liners and stuff like that. At one point, there was even talk of getting Patrick Stewart in to do the voice because he's a fan of the series. Oh. Nice. But because the subject matter is already so dark, Doug and Ed decided it would be more overtly comic. It should be more overtly comic because what Epidine was doing was so awful. So they made him a game show host. Mm. Patrick Stewart can do comic? Yeah. Although, uh, I mean, uh, at, at that time, he wasn't really doing... Come cheer up, my lads, tis to glory. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that... I don't think anyone is saying that Patrick Stewart can't do comedy. But in this sort of role, the o- there's only so many ways you can go with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get where they were going there. I will say it's a weird sort of virus, isn't it? I mean, the point of a virus is to replicate itself 
infinitely and infect as many people as it can, a virus that very specifically only wants to be on one host at a time is not a very efficient virus. Well, it was man-made. Yeah. Hmm. It certainly the virus reminds me of Audrey too. <laughs> In some ways, yeah. There, the, the, he has some affectations that that do hit there. To, to me, I thought they were just going with sort of the generic game show slash radio show host. But then, especially like in the later parts of the episode, yeah, they do have some of the. Oh, yeah, a hard one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that one. Yeah. Um. All right. So. How does the episode start? I just got so caught up in the end parts that I forgot where they started. They come across... Uh, oh, yeah, the, the space bird. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. which, nice exchange. I'm not going to take the quote. Wonderful cat exchange there. And they... Yeah. Go ahead. That Sorry, that was the same engine testing facility that they filmed Tika to ride in. Oh, neat. I sort of um, want... Um, now that we've had Cat actually talk about him raising himself and educating himself, because apparently Cat Priest is no longer there, and <laughs> he was retconned out. Um, maybe Cat Priest just didn't like him very much. Maybe, maybe. He just kept going on about his investigating feats and didn't wear the proper sausage hats or whatever they had. It, it might not be that cat priest that the cat priest didn't like cat. It's just that the cat didn't like him. The cat doesn't <laughs> listen to anybody. Maybe they didn't get on. But yeah. but now I sort of want like maybe Kachansky to like do sort of a My Fair Lady education thing with the cat. That would be yes. hilarious. That there's no reason that couldn't happen because. In the extended version of Ouroboros, the cat from her dimension seemed a lot more intelligent. Maybe just or more least... macho. Sort of yeah, the he, he didn't. From. He barely had any lines. I, I didn't get much of an idea of his character. That cat. He mm. wasn't smiling, so. Well, that's any... true. <laughs> that's true. He's too cool for that. Uh, he was too uh, busy but... having to learn the magic flute in order to play any games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, oh, go ahead. The problem with the uh, location mm-hmm. that, that were filmed in, it, it had, a, had loads of low metal beams all over the place, <laughs> which obviously gave ample opportunity for people to bang their heads. Everybody mm-hmm. banged their head. And not nice. just Robert Wellen, everybody did for a change. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a quite a funny quote from Chloe Annette here. Yeah. Everyone had to wear hard hats, apart from the actors who couldn't wear a hard hat. <laughs> that that was something that crossed my mind. You have to wear them because it's dangerous. What about us? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, we Have we know how this. this... <laughs> we know how the show treats the actors. Yep. Probably um, worrying about, okay, how can we work in shooting them out of a cannon? <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought it was neat, though, that they were having some cool discussion there, talking about their past a little. And then they finally get down to the Leviathan, which they cannot draw out with a hook. Um, and... <laughs> sorry. 
Uh, Every let's... time they said the Leviathan, I was like, oh, is this Mass Effect? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so they're going to... Oh, I, I do like the idea that they're going to mine water uh, to store up, shore up their supplies of water. I thought that was a good little sci-fi realistic touch to it. And uh, then they find that, oh no, horrible twisted faces and bodies and bad things must have happened. People showering in their clothes and, oh no, wait, that's a Star Trek episode. Yes, yes, yes. And then they find Crichton's frozen head. No, wait, no, no, no. Also Star Trek. Also Star Trek. So... But yeah, so times are all over again. Yeah, so there's life signs, and it must be good old Carol and Carmen, Lister's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> See, I'm not sure about Caroline Carmen and Lister actually being a thing mm-hmm. because yeah. it because was established... he was very obviously lying. Oh yeah, he was <laughs> he was lying. Well, Lister was only on board Red Dwarf nine months before the accident, and. The way I think it was is that he was only on. Um, he did have. He might have had a small fling with her before he met Kachansky, or she had made a pass at him, but he passed on it as he was still hung up on Kachansky at the time. Um, he must have known her though because he knew that she got reposted onto Titan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he he just knew the name and maybe had seen her or something. But I think any opportunity to make. Kachansky jealous or to present himself as a viable male he will take well, and make up was, lots of fun stories. He was a maintenance guy pretty much um, and she was a supply officer. They would have had some sort of business contact. That's true. He had mm. to get supplies in order to do maintenance. But yeah, yes, he chicken was soup. very obviously lying. <laughs> Nozzle tools aren't going to clean themselves. No. You, know, you gotta order those things. Um, and and who, stock, who stocks the irradiated haggis? Exactly. Carol like Harmon. All things considered, though, I think she drew the short, short straw. I would have much preferred to have died in a radiation leak than be slowly killed by a virus and then zombified by it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if you gotta choose, then... <laughs> <laughs> So, let's see. They decide they're going to play Encino Man and take her aboard. Um, I really, really liked here where the... Okay, this is definitely going to be a quote, but uh, the little zinger that Crichton gets in at Kachansky. That was a good moment. And Mm -hmm. and the sort of snickering that he did right after. I mean, that's the sort of... If they're going to be at each other's throats, that's the sort of teasing and back and forth that I would like between them instead of his petulant whining. Yeah. Um, I, I really felt like they had some good chemistry going on for, for that scene. Um, that one tiny, tiny scene. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it wasn't a tiny scene for one person. The encapsulating ice, it was made of fiberglass, and they wanted someone to be inside it. Oh, dear. It was the runner. But you so can barely... To- barely see in there. I mean, they could have just put a mannequin with some shabby clothes. It would have been fine. Yeah, she went in voluntarily. She was all too happy to go in, but by the time the cast had managed to get through their lines and recorded several smeg-ups in the process, she could hardly breathe by the time she got out. (laughs) And then she actually (laughs) died. And... (laughs) 
chewed everyone's faces off. So now next week is going to be a zombie red dwarf. Zombie dwarf. <laughs> zombie dwarf. <laughs> dwarf apocalypse. Dwarf the dead. Twenty-eight dwarfs later. <laughs> um, let's see. <laughs> Night of the Living Dwarf. Um, <laughs> Red Dead. God. Good so, God. So yes, uh, Zombie uh, Carolyn or Zombie Carmen. We'll just call her Zombie Carmen. Um, breaks out of her eyes and uh, yeah, very Encino man. I liked that and uh, decides to to snuggle up to Lister for warmth. Because, you know, zombies, they're chilly. Mm-hmm. Um, she just got out of ice. It's true. She it's needs true. to get under the covers. And then Crichton, with his usual uh, tact, So uh, yeah, decides... when, when did he become, like, the dorm mother? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no! <laughs> Our chaperone is here! Get into the shower! Not, I don't oh, think... we're two consenting adults. Let's just tell the robot to go away. <laughs> and how did Crichton even know that somebody else was in there? Motion he, sensors. He waits outside of Lister's quarters every single night. And <laughs> I about to say, if that was true, however... I'm carrying them common nothing like Christine Kuchansky. Well, you probably just heard the rambling corpse. And you know, can't tell the difference between Kachansky and a rambling corpse. Yeah. Crichton's a creepy stalker. He is. I don't think he was half as bad in this episode as he has been, though. He has, but I was really hoping that he wouldn't start the high-pitched whining thing. I've started yeah. with my shut up Crichton again. I, I checked out a bit there, yeah. yeah. Also, with those tiny little bunks, why wouldn't you always have it in double bed mode? Exactly. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. And again, though, I, I don't... If Crichton's going to be jealous of attention or fearful, then okay. that That's, I guess, one thing. But then, like, you like her head better than mine. Like, why does it have to very purposefully be, like, attractiveness things, like, that don't make sense between the characters? I know that they're trying to do the comedy there of he's jealous, like, almost sexually of of Kachansky, but it doesn't make sense for the character. I mean, Well, that one moment in Polymorph, it just stayed with Crichton, and he just relives it. <laughs> I guess. Well, let's just settle on that Crichton just really wants to have sex with Lister. I guess so. <laughs> um. More slash fiction away! Speaking of, of uh, fan fiction, and uh, I, I didn't notice this on my first watch, but on the second watch, um, Batman? <laughs> Lister has a Batman outfit that he keeps for special occasions. <laughs> He's mentioned that before, I think. Has he? Have I missed in, that? In Camille. In Camille, when he was talking to uh, his... Okay. To, talking to human Camille, he said, just sit back, relax, and I'll go... No, actually, he was sit back, relax, and I'll go change into my Spider-Man costume. Yeah. Okay. He has a superhero I... fetish. He's got a thing for superheroes. 
Where are all these costumes? I want to see all the costumes now. Cat probably made it for him. Maybe so. Actually, I wish I hadn't said that now. That's no. (laughs) I didn't want to think that. (laughs) A cat makes his own line of lingerie. (laughs) (laughs) Cat wear. You know, if you um, thank you. Cat wear for when you want when you want the lady to go. Ow. Uh, you are correct. Yeah, Camille. I'll slip into my Spider-Man costume. There it is. That's amazing. You'd wow. think for um, sexy outfits, then you wouldn't want a full-body leotard. Well, you know, Batman at least has a utility belt that might ha- Okay, let's just stop there. And Batman <laughs> Um And moving forward. Please do! <laughs> so, yes, and then hilarity happens when Kachansky walks up. And uh, Lister thinks that they're going to continue with the shenanigans, which she has no idea about. And she does a very nice punch there. He does a very nice fallback. Some action scenes there. You know, even if that, if she had tried to start shenanigans, then that's like the least romantic way to get it started again after Dorm Mother Robot interrupted you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, I I won't even steal because that may be a quote, but yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, then they soon find out that it wasn't Kachansky, but rather it was good old Carmen, and uh, she was wanting to resume the fictional relationship that she had had with Lester. I've got a note here about mm. that actually. Uh, um. Oh, uh, well, I've got two, actually. Um, one from Craig Charles. They always did that to me. It's like, how can we make Craig sick today? <laughs> hey, Craig, you got a scene. Oh, nice. oh, no, it's not. It's, hey, Craig, you got a bed scene. Great, great. But she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and Ed buys, Craig was kissing the zombie, and he did it a bit. It was in rehearsal. And they were on the floor, kissing away, and he went, hey, guys, guys, look at this. And he pulled his... Pilled, pulled her teeth out with his teeth and spat them out. Ugh. It's not very often that I can't actually speak because I'm laughing that much, but when he did that, I just couldn't breathe. He also did it in the show, but it was never as funny as the moment he first did it because I had no idea he was going to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've also got, an, I've got two notes on this myself, actually. <laughs> uh, the sequence actually was extended due to the suggestion of director Ed Boy, who relished the idea of making it a little bit of a zombie movie mm-hmm. while at the same time putting more action into the episode <laughs> and also it has I don't really talk about smeg ups on these episodes but it has to have my favourite smeg up mm. of practically the entire run oh I'm anxious um, to see the tape then this time yeah shall, shall I spoil it or shall I let you wait oh let's just wait okay I always like the smeg up that's a good end of the season treat um, oh, um, and for what? the record, I have absolutely no notes on anything. <laughs> like everyone else is saying, I have a note, I have a note, I have no notes. Oh. Well, this this is a personal note from me. Um, I must have been about nine when this episode first aired, and it gave oh. me nightmares. Oh, um, yeah. I, got, I got about this far, and I turned it off. I thought, right, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight if I carry on watching that. I'll watch it tomorrow morning off the video because I was recording it and thought, yeah, I'll watch it tomorrow and then I'll watch it during the day and I'll be fine. 
But what happened was um, the tape got to the end and it only got to the first conversation with Epidemic. So for yeah. about a week, I had no idea if Lister survived or not. Mm. <laughs> oh, and for those of you who are a bit young, uh, he's talking about a cassette tape that goes into a VCR <laughs> that, in fact, did have an end to it. <laughs> it's like those fancy Blu-rays that you get, all except you yes. can record on them. <laughs> Magnetic strips of photosensitive cellophane that, yeah. And then sometimes you had to adjust the tracking because it's got the little blurry things in the bowl. But if you watch them too many times, then they wore out and you couldn't watch them anymore. And eventually they would eat themselves. And you had to make sure you kept them in the in the, in the sleeves. boxes yes. because if you got any dust in them, they'd had it. Mm. Also, wipe it off. be kind, rewind. Yes, <laughs> I still have never. I still haven't seen that film. Don't bother. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so um, let's see. We find out then what's going on, and they decide they're going to have to have a chat. Uh, oh yeah, after commenting on the different pain thresholds of men and women. Also, it occurred to me when they were talking about personal maintenance practices that Cat was a metrosexual before there were metrosexuals. True. Pretty much. Cat Cat is a hipster metrosexual. Apparently so, has good for the him. same uh, body grooming regimen as Kachansky. To wear oh, Kachansky. Paul's online. Yes. <laughs> well, I see Paul. Oh, Paul! Yay! Oh, it's oh. Don't know how long he's been there. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like Crichton outside of Lister's room, just watching, watching. And we're back. <laughs> All right. I blame Rosie. <laughs> it's always a good thing to or, do. Or you blame Rose Tyler. Ooh. Um, That's my nickname. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we are back with Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi. And we had gotten two. Uh, Lister is infected. Cat is a metrosexual. And they are going to have a little chat with the virus. Can I just say at this point, Kachansky was a right coward that last scene. Oh, it's probably just shot. Don't be such a baby. He's just been half molested by a corpse. <laughs> That's enough to give anyone horrors. Yeah. Well, maybe she was just trying to get him to, you know, like, act tough or something. Maybe. Well, I don't know. There was. Um... I, I noticed in the feedback that there's there's a bit of a well, not even really a divide. I think a lot of folks get annoyed with the the virus voice here. 
I I, I, I love Epidame. I yeah. love Epidame. Epidame is amazing. Okay, so there is a split, yeah. Did you guys ever watch Space Precinct? What? Yep. I've never even heard of it. Nah, that's a new one on me. Uh, Jerry Anderson, American t- cop, certain space. Ah. Yeah. Nope. nope. Okay. That's just, I would say that's probably well, I, oh, I knew, well, I knew him from before um, Red Dwarf. He played the voice, did the voice of Slow Mo. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Do you know what? I've just got a flash. <laughs> I've just been listening to um, your Heath and Angela's appearance on um, the aboard the night bus. Mm-hmm. And it was just I've just had a flashback to what Heath said when 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 Shane says, "Oh, in this British TV show called T on on the Hill, you might know him from from there that no one's heard of." That's exactly. This is exactly <laughs> that thing. Sorry, Shane. Every time, every time we're like, we've never heard of yeah, them. Yeah, we feel really, I'm really sh- stupid for like not hearing about things that probably every British person has like grown up watching. Well, oh, I, like I think it was actually thing. American, so I thought you might know that. Oh, okay. No, it made no, in Britain no. for an American audience. Well, not our American audience, apparently. I, I hear it's big in Scandinavia, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Um, I go way, way, way back in the distant, distant, far distant past. One for the British listeners, not the American listeners. One for the British listeners. He also did the voice of Squeegee Bob in Wizbit. <laughs> <laughs> I I swear you are making that. You're up. making that one up. Aren't you? you are making, that one, making up. that one up. Right, Shane, how old are you? <laughs> I was. No, how old are you now? Older than you. I know. Just how how old? Are you? Thirty-two. <laughs> right, you're only a year older than me, and I'm even. I never ever saw an episode of Wizbit. He wasn't making that up. No, no, no. I have actually. I know. Squidgy and Wizbit. Squidgy Bob in Wizbit. Squidgy Bob. What's okay. a Wizbit? Ha ha this way, ha ha that way, ha ha this way, my oh my. That's not descriptive at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's just random babbling. From... <laughs> uh, Seriously, I, sh- I think you British people are having us on. Right. Uh, you are. Let's test this in. So- Catherine Tate. When Catherine Tate was on um, The Office here... Uh, the the American The Office. Then she actually did that. She was was like, "Oh yeah, we're getting on just like Codger Bob and his man Godfrey." And somebody was like, "Okay," and she was like, "Just kidding. That's not even a thing." And <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our generation. I'm going back to Wisdom for two seconds. Our generation is completely and utterly messed up. Okay, this was a, this was the this is a description of Wisbit. Okay, Wisbit was apparently to learn about everyday life on Earth by seven puzzles in a town inhabited by walking, talking, and often seeing sponge balls, dice, magic wands, playing cards, and a seven foot tall rabbit. Is Jimmy Stewart <laughs> in this one? 
Now, 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 Harvey, he, he went on to be on, on the BBC. Uh, he... <laughs> oh, Smeg. I do know his bit. Sorry. I've just Googled right. it and I just realised I do know what it is. Oh, I still don't know what it is. It's um, I but love it. To, I just looked on Google, and apparently one of the headlines is: "Is Wizbit the worst kids TV program ever?" Awesome! <laughs> oh, that's amazing! Ah, oh. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, anyway, back to Red Dwarf. <laughs> Where, but how did we even get on Wizbit from well, here? We, we, oh, we oh the voice it. of the voice of. Yeah. Okay, speaking of the voice of uh, Epidine. Um, yeah, it's been compared to um, uh, Levi Stubbs' uh, Audrey 2. Um, I thought it reminded me a lot of... There's a movie called Flight of the Navigator. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sort of an, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Pee Wee Herman, actually, Paul Rubens, did the voice of the ship's computer uh, on that one. And it sort of reminded me of that a little bit. So, I, have to, I don't know. I have to be on the traveling team Flight of the Navigator for quite a number of years so been, been a while for me too but yeah I, I remember it pretty well I, I watched it on television a while back it's it's a lot of fun it holds up although it is scary scary like just really? weirdly scary yeah when like the kid is taken away from I'm, his I parents and is like they put the electrodes on his head and his parents are like oh I guess this is okay and he's like screaming to be let back home and that and like E.T. really freaked me out as a kid. I got this distrust for government having like Some any interest. dealings with kids anymore. <laughs> oh wow. Uh so yeah, they talk to the virus, the virus is basically like, Yeah, screw you. Uh I still don't get though why that it's virus like how did it even survive? If I mean, I guess that maybe they made multiple copies of it if it were a, a, a sale product to stop people from smoking. But a virus that only infects one host at a time, okay, you wow. see somebody that's a zombie uh, stumbling toward you, you shoot it, the virus is gone forever and ever and ever. See, thing is, The very but... point of a virus is it's in multiple hosts. That's why you can't stop it. That's why zombies are scary, like the Borg. See, thing is, though, all the other people on the Leviathan had died from the virus. Caroline Carmen was the only one they brought back on board Starbuck. Who's not to say that all the other corpses in there weren't still infected with the virus as well, and they'd just been frozen in a different manner? Um, well, they describe how it works, though. No, no, no. What, uh, it, can I, can I, right. Basically, it's, it's, it's like through saliva. Right? We assume, yeah. Yeah, because of Caroline Carmen tongue hockeying Lister. Right. Well, judging on the taking off his long jumps, it can be acquired through other means as well, but let's not go into that. Yeah. Well, any bodily fluid whatsoever. Let's say that. Yeah. But you got to think, um, that can go quick, and it could got, could have got passed through all of them on the Leviathan, hence it being a virus, not just one host at a time, but... Because Caroline Carmen was the last one alive, she she's obviously was. All the others have died. But I mean, to... it doesn't start. It doesn't start infecting other people until the host is dead, and then it uses the zombie body, infects another host. That body dies, 
uh, just like it didn't try to infect, like after it thought it had infected Gachansky, Lister, it left Lister's body completely. That's true. So, so Lister couldn't have gone on to infect, say, Cat. Hmm. So it's, it's not a very efficient virus, anyway. Um, it has to be pretty much all in one bit, other or at least in one body. Otherwise, it I don't I don't know. Anyway, they should have made it a parasite instead of a virus. Yeah. Um, Either way, everything's still awesome. It is pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it insults you as it kills you. That's mean. I've just never been much for the smarmy game show host thing. Uh, That's just not my thing. You're not fun. (laughs) Hey, at least I watch Firefly. (laughs) So, they... We've gone gone like three seasons without mentioning Firefly. (laughs) (laughs) And then you go bring it up again. No, no, we're talking about Firefly. I've never seen it. What? I've never actually seen it. Good, do it. Watch it. Do it. It'll be awesome. We'll get you started on it. No, don't. Um, I almost bought it on Blu-ray on on Friday. What stopped you? Wow. It didn't have any extra features over the DVD. (laughs) Is that a fact? Hmm. Why would they make a Blu-ray without the bonus features on the DVD? No, no, no. It didn't have any more features than... Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we've already got the DVDs, too. I can't make myself buy a Blu-ray. Um, so, back to Red Dwarf. <laughs> uh, they decide that they're going to uh, chase the epidemic around with antivirals until they get it caught in one chunk of Lister and then cut off his arm, because that's how viruses work. Um, Adorable little fighting between Crichton and Kachansky there. Oh yeah, the pillow bit. Well, right. no, that, was, that was that was the that worst was bit of the episode. That I was like, yeah, Schmillers, he can do it himself. Well, yeah, and why are they uh, fixing his room instead of trying to find a cure? But uh, there, when he was, um, uh, when they were like suggesting we're going to cut off your arm, then their sniping there was cute. <laughs> Um, okay, so cruelly going back to Shane's Obscure Show references, um, I finally remembered uh, the show that I made up when I was talking about this uh, with Rosie, how uh, uh, there was another show that I didn't so, and so I, I think that, so as I said here, this is an old chat log, sometimes I think he makes up shows, something like, no vicar, I'll not be going to Tottenham today. Um <laughs> because that's that's what all BBC shows sound like to us. Well, to be fair, that um, that was a line from um, Downton Abbey on the last episode. So. Oh, I, I thought so. Uh, so I have here. Oh no, no, big fandom for NVINBG3T. Um, NVINBIG3T. Of course, I want, nowadays I want to most see. American shows, you just add the word um, suits beach. Um, law and <laughs> or add any word after NCIS. Yes. 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 Or CSI. <laughs> the, yes. The, that is an American show now. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting for. Heck, C- oh yeah, I'm waiting for CSI Emmerdale. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, big annual gathering of fans for NVINBG3T uh, in Derbyshire. Uh, the actor who played the vicar was recently knighted. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so uh, back to the NVINBG3T cast. I'm um, back I'm away just, from I'm... chain abuse. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm glad, though. So, you know, uh, maybe eventually we'll get to a show we haven't heard of that we want to pick up. Um, bottom, not one of them. No. Uh, y'all can keep that one. Bless you. But I should point out at this point, I did edit that that, uh, that um, particular episode of Aboard the Night Bus. Please oh. visit Aboard the Night Bus on iTunes. They do, they do have a Facebook page as well. It's fun. <laughs> and um, uh, I did keep it in. I do occasionally want to watch Ghost Watch, though. Uh, I mean, I eventually want to watch Ghost Watch. That sounds interesting to me. Mm. Mainly because it has Ghost in the title, so yep. I don't know. Maybe that'll be our next special. Maybe we will just randomly review an episode of Ghost Watch. It's a one off special, so it's only going to be the one episode. Oh. oh, so we can see the whole thing in one go? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh well, see, now that's. Why didn't we do that? Seriously. Look at me. The Fans. episode of Bottom had Robert Llewellyn for five minutes. Five minutes. It has nothing to do with Red Dwarf. Okay. Fans, Moving on. it's your fault. <laughs> we love you. Don't make us watch Bottom again. To be uh, fair, I um, voted for Bottom. Um, shame on you, Sam Highland. It's shame. It isn't the best episode, though. I still think that the best episode <laughs> of Bottom is the one where they're stuck on the Ferris wheel. Same here. That's. It would. It's a fantastic piece of television. But is that as good as the as the last episode of No Vicar I'll Not Be Going to Birmingham today? <laughs> yes. I would dare oh, come say on. it is better than... Pardon me, Bishop, I do believe you're sitting on my sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> but it's not as good as Oi Copper Get Off Me Balm. <laughs> Look, P-M-B-I-D-B-Y-S-O-M-S-O-M-S is a classic show. I mean, Pimbid Bisoms has been... I'm waiting for the big crossover Funnily enough, do you know what I've just found out? Do you know what I've just found out? What's that? All these different TV shows that we were mentioning, they're all sponsored by Banana Ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) And breathe. There we go. Okay, so Lister's right arm gets cut off in tiny, tiny pieces at a time. That was horrible. I thought that was great because Creighton so is like being so careful right at the beginning, nope. and by nope. the end of it, he's just like nip, bang, nip, bang. <laughs> it was it was a, a well done scene, just horrible to watch. Um, you, and you yeah, don't even eat lunch then... while you're watching this episode. <laughs> yeah, we were eating the first time. In fact, we're time. eating like rotisserie chicken. And oh. I was just like, ah, oh, no more. <laughs> I've got another Craig Charles quote here. Oh, go for it. Yeah, I got my arm sawed off, stopped by a dead girl, got punched in the face by a looker. Yeah, just an average day at the office for me, that. <laughs> it was not Lister's episode. 
to be fair, I think. Oh wow! I think Craig Charles' acting is really good in this episode. He he sway the way I he's agree. swaying and looks feverish. He really does look like he's ill. Yeah. Yeah. Craig Charles's acting all around has, I mean, it's really a lot better. You know, I've gone back to watch some early, like seasons one and two to check, you know, like when I was checking whether or not he was missing an arm in uh, uh, Stasis League. And yeah, I mean, he, he, he was fine then, but he's really matured as an actor, I think. Um, my script here has, uh, and I don't know if this is a fan script or if this was in the original, it says, Crichton lets out his high-pitched Stan Laurel-like whimpering. That they were actually wanting him to do the Stan Laurel, like Laurel and Hardy is what that's a reference to. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Uh, and they find out that, no, you can't kill Epideme that way. Epideme is immortal, and <laughs> it's going to kill Lister anyway. So, Cat uh, shows his usual tact in uh, handling... <laughs> The situation. I love that. I love that Cat is un- unapologetically self-centered. Yep. He has no sympathy, no empathy. It's not a part of his makeup. Well, why would he be? The universe revolves around mm-hmm. him. Exactly. exactly. It's not happening to him. He doesn't care. Well, he cares in the ways that it will affect him. For instance, the ping yeah. pong tournament is now shot. Sorry if that was a quote. But. <laughs> we get the pillow scene here, and I don't understand why Kachansky assumes that this Lister, uh, who sleeps alone, unless, you know, he borrows Rimmer's girlfriend, which I doubt, um, who sleeps alone, uh, likes his uh, pillows arranged the same way that her Lister likes his pillows arranged when I assume they're in the bed together. Um it's weird. I I, th- I thought that she was really working to differentiate her Dave and and my this Dave. Dave, or it's my always Dave. Dave, my Dave, my Dave. Oh. Yeah. Well, one of the Lorraine actually really enjoyed filming that scene. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, quote: Things like Croton making Lister's bed when he's ill, and Katanski changing it because her Dave had two pillows like that and they have a row and they're fighting over him it's like a scene between two women fighting over a man it's very funny very weird I agree with the weird part I I get the impression <laughs> that Robert Llewellyn is really liking the way his character is going and no one else is well I don't, I don't know maybe other folks are digging it but just the general response I've seen to the whiny Crichton saga it has not been positive, and, so I don't know. And the whole time, I was like, why are you making his bed? You're both, like, are you leaving Cat to search for the cure? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you taking time out to make the bed that he's not going to be alive to lie in if you don't get, get down to Medical Bay or whatever and find the cure? No wonder he wanted to blow himself up. Do some science. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, so that is Lister's solution, which I thought was very brave of him. And and really in character. I mean, he, he when it's time to face death, he faces death with class. Does Lister. 
Going to rip its nipples off. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in fact, we just watched a wonderful episode of Voyager that had the similar thing. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, in fact, we did. In fact, we did. It was really funny. I haven't seen Fantastic. that episode for years, but it is one of those which I do actually remember seeing, and I think I stopped watching Voyager shortly after that. Actually, well, no, we didn't mm. want. We weren't referring to Threshold. We were referring to a good episode of Voyager, of which there are many. Is that contrary to popular <laughs> yes, belief? There are. There are there good are. episodes of Voyager. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Name me one. Yeah. I can name you uh, several, two, but... Tuvix? I don't... Uh, Death Wish. Yep. I can't remember any... That's two. I can't remember any names of the Voyager episodes, but I remember that one where the Doctor goes down to a planet that's inhabited by holograms and he becomes a freedom fighter with them. Mm. There was one episode of Voyager which I think is on par with an episode of uh, The Next Generation. And only the one episode of Voyager that's on par with the next generation and that's Scorpion part one well that's because Haven't TNG one, yeah. and Voyager are two I mean they're both Star Trek but they're two very different shows they are they are anyway back to Red anyway, Dwarf next, next, next week on Trekcast we will be talking about <laughs> no apparently there are lots of Star Trek podcasts so we aren't going to I know, step you know, on pretty, pretty much Pretty much any name I make up actually is a Star Trek cast Next somewhere. Next week yeah. at Neelix's Bar. Awesome. <laughs> um, let's see Oh yeah, here. we saw yeah. the episode where Neelix had a video podcast. It was brilliant. <laughs> yes. Neelix cast. Yes. yes. That was Neelix one cast. of the best. Which was a good Neelix episode of all things. So there. Hey, I like Neelix. Um, I know, but he doesn't, so. Um... Okay, so Lister, he's going to solve the problem. Solve the problem with a bang. Solving the problem. Um, Solving the problem. But he, uh, uh, Epidemian obviously tricks him into trying to get to a planet to find a cure. I mean, that that was pretty obvious. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But during the process, then Crichton and Epidemian have a little chat. They figure out how to improve Starbuck. So that's nice. Um, we find out that Epidemic is rather similar to Legion, I guess, in that respect, mm-hmm. and that it absorbs the intelligence of its victims one by one. Yeah. Those two should get together. I want to see Legion infected with the Epidemic virus. Ooh. Super intelligent zombie Legion. That would be, like, unstoppable. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so they trick him, like he can be tricked, uh, into giving away the secret, and the planet is blowed up. The planet also looked a lot like Rimmerworld. Was that stock footage? The planet is the one model shot in this episode, and it is stock footage. If it had been carried on for a couple of seconds or more, you will have seen Blue Midget chasing after Starbug. With the uh, nice. Rimmer in Lister's body. Nice. Okay. I knew I'd seen it somewhere. <laughs> oh. I miss the model, guys. Just look like the same planet that they always use. Yeah. The CGI, I guess it's, I guess I've gotten used to it. It's not bugging me. I'm, I'm not, like, retching every time I see it now like I did at first, but... <laughs> Just, you know, slight um, gag reflex. I keep, but, I keep yeah. trying to get a rip of 
at least the, the opening from the remastered ticket arrived, but I just can't find it anywhere. Hmm. But it, it really did look worlds better and improved the look of the show just by having decent looking flybys. It was ridiculous. Yeah. But then the, the model shots for Seven were a very rushed affair anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, there we go. Yes, uh, so they find out, yep, uh, that it was all a trick. There is no hope, despite what her Dave would say. Um, and Kachansky gets an awesome, awesome idea. Kachansky is... I'm sorry. Kachansky is badass here, folks. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it was awesome when she was, I thought, sawing off her own arm. But nope, even more awesome. She tricked the thing. She Frankensteined the Carmen arm. I don't and understand I... how that worked. Well, she made oh, a fake she just, arm. She, yeah, she cut off Carmen's, uh, the arm of the zombie. She put blood and adrenaline in it so that at first sense, uh, Epidem would think that it was her arm. But surely uh, Epidem it tri- would have realized that it was Caroline's body already. And unless uh, Kachansky actually surgically attached it to herself, which would have been an incredibly stupid idea, she didn't use the well, point I mean, so. We don't know how Epidem senses outside of the host that it's in. Yeah. I mean, was it was it having to rely on Lister's body's senses when it bit? That's true, I suppose. Plus. Unless it has, you know. Plus, maybe, like, when it's transferring, then it doesn't have the best perceptions anyway. And it's been accounted for, so... <laughs> still a cool but part. It's, I still think it's yeah. weird that, they, that uh, they still had Caroline on board, really, though. Well, I mean, they were running low on food supplies. Three million they had year to old use raw material dead to make Carolyn <laughs> to make Lister a Thor costume. Cat <laughs> was going to make a suit out of her. <laughs> he was peeved when he found out he was missing an arm. Now, um. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. I've just turned Cat into Hannibal Lecter. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, so Epidem trapped in a dead arm, uh, and uh, then they forget to bring Lister back to life <laughs> for a little bit. And when we were watching it, then they walked off, and Angela was like, "But Lister, he's still they his heart." And <laughs> Crichton comes peeling back in the room. That was awesome. I don't Jeez. think Lister's resuscitation has ever looked convincing, though. It just doesn't look. It it just doesn't look good to me. It doesn't sound right either. Well, especially since, you know, they, um, like, put the electrodes to his chest and his shirt, but they don't move the cloth away <laughs> the whole way. Well, you know, it's, it's the future uh, defibrillators, so they're much better. It's like microwaves. It's like it cooks. It shocks from inside, so it just goes right through the clothes. It's awesome. I love, I love the uh, cat's pratfall in that scene, though. 
where Kachatsky cuts the hand off and he just falls sideways and he just stays in that pose on the floor. It's like, but she didn't even. No, go ahead. It's like that one that he had in Justice where he hit the simulant over the head with the spade and he just falls backward with a grin on his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it It's a good feint. But yeah, I realized after the fact, Kachansky didn't even really have to cut that arm in half. She yeah. was just... <laughs> <laughs> well, she figured, I've already desecrated a corpse. Let's go one step further. <laughs> Um, it actually, apparently, it took her several attempts to cut that arm off. Uh, for that scene. Mm. Hmm. Oh, uh, so tell me why Swindon is like death. Oh, God. Because it's the most boring place in on Earth. Think of, think of, um, I'm, I'm trying to think. No, I'm trying to think, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, the most boring place in America. Um, uh, it's where old people go on holiday. To die. Can I stop you guys there? Have you guys have actually been to Swindon? I have, unfortunately. The only thing that I can think of in Swindon is uh, the Great Western Railway Museum. Mm. That's the only thing I can think of that's in Swindon. I went down there for a football match. Uh, uh... Yeah. I live approximately 15 miles north. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Come on then, Shane. Be the tourism board. Tell us what there is to do. Um, there's, there's nothing to do there, <laughs> apart from what. Uh, and even then, Swindon football team um, rubbish. Can I can I come back to you in about half an hour, twenty five minutes when I actually think of something? <laughs> <laughs> actually, to be fair, in no, 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 that's Slough. Never mind. I was I was thinking I was thinking the office was based in Swindon, but no, that was slow. <laughs> and slow's not, okay. not as good either. I'm thinking. I'm still thinking. I'm still going to be, it's going to be here. It has the magic roundabout. Oh, that, oh, <laughs> God almighty. Oh, please tell me you've heard of the magic roundabout, Heath and Angela. Magic roundabout. We have no idea what no. any of this no, is. No, not Zebedee. Like, we, we have checked out for the last five minutes. I know, I know the roundabout you mean. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, we've not heard of that. And in fact, uh, I, I know what a roundabout is, but you'll find a lot of folks in in certain parts of the states here don't even know the term roundabout. Uh, it's it's not really a thing here. We like have intersections and exits and and clover leaves and different ways of of handling uh, intersecting roads. There's fewer roundabouts. Well, the magic roundabout is another children's TV program. Um. <laughs> It is best to watch it when you're under the influence of drugs. <laughs> I would agree with you on that one. That one, that one there. You have um, a man with a spring for a body. Um, um, a, a dog who is addicted to sugar lumps that everyone is sure is actually cocaine. Um, uh, you've got the rabbit, which is on LSD. I think Called Dylan. Yeah, Dylan, <laughs> who is on... He's, he's like a hippie, but he's on LSD. Brian um, the Snail. Was on they are so having us on. No, we're not. Uh, Ermintrude, the big pink cow, who... We... <laughs> what are we talking oh, about? Skype messed up for me. Uh, we are talking about... They're the describing magic a children's show. Children's, a children's show called Magic Roundabout that has a rabbit on LSD and a crack-addicted dog. Okay. I know. P- pull the other one, right? No, no, no. Trust me. You need to see this. <laughs> 
as a pissed actually, off train it, as well. There was a movie Massive made of it as well. There was a movie made. And then wonder what my generation is so messed See, up. See, this is what happens I, I when you get government funding 90s. for your t- TV shows instead of yours, having me. to convince people to pay you to make them. You get you get crack addicted rabbits, and it's awesome. This is why British TV is is interesting. Yeah, we have we have Dougal, who is a uh, a dog. We have uh, Zebedee, who is a Jack in the Box. We have Brian the Snail, Ermintrude the Cow, and Dylan the Rabbit. And then there was the there was oh, was it Florence and Mister Rusty, the two humans. And Mister Rusty also owned a train that was angry with big eyebrows. Aha! Uh-huh. Did uh, did Mister Rusty um, describe the plight of the Indian immigrant in uh, Britain? No, it was Rusty, not Rusty. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I know. I know you were thinking of Solomon. <laughs> yes. We were talking about Rusty, as in. Um, R U S T Y. Yes, I yes, was thinking yeah. of the metal that gets the, yes. aerated. Uh, oxidized iron. That's yeah. it, oxidized iron. Gotcha. Well, we're at the end of the episode now. Yeah, so apparently uh, uh, Sam and Rusty hangs out with the crack-addicted dog and an uh, angry train. That makes sense. Is, um, the BBC produced a British version of it, and it was, it was written by Eric Thompson, who is Emma Thompson's father ah, see so the magic roundabout cast is ending and we're back to the red dwarf cast red dwarf into a cast And in fact, we're pretty much at the end of the episode. Um, yeah, so Lister's alive, uh, minus one arm. Presumably, uh, good old Epideme is lying there in a dead arm. Hopefully it's going to stay dead and not just start crawling uh, around and strangling there, them, there was a la there Evil was a Dead. There was deleted scene right at the end of the episode. Yep. Oh dear, yep. I wondered. It, they, they, it was actually the last scene in the episode. Really? Uh, I, hmm. And it was uh, it started to strangle somebody. Uh, I, w- I won't say what. I, uh, basically, Crichton threw the arm out the airlock. And what happens next? Okay. You will have to wait to the quote section. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I did notice. You know, it's strange. It seemed like everything was resolved, and yet it ends on to be continued. Uh, so, what's to be continued? Yeah. Maybe people I guess were that's... confused because it was in episode seven, and they're like, "What? Another one? But this was the end." Mmm. Just letting folks know that there was a, a, an episode eight. Possibly. Possibly. But List has gone through a lot of trauma. He's lost an arm. That he has. Doesn't matter. <laughs> But, I mean, it still, it doesn't seem like it would be a to-be-continued kind of issue. Ah. Um, see? That, that's where Red Wolf pulls you back in. You're like, to-be-continued? But what is to-be-continued? I have to watch next week <laughs> to find out what it is. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, usually there's a cliffhanger if we're going to have it to be continued. So I guess we'll find out next week. Um, <coughs> any more thoughts on the episode before we move along? Yep, that's it. Lovely. Well, let's have an ad from Banana Ketchup. <laughs> Banana Ketchup! The myths of a thousand worlds tell of a time when darkness enveloped the galaxy, an age before the coming of the fifth race. Tales and legends of gods that could crush worlds but with a gesture, and vast armies to enslave the free peoples of our realms. Armies whose existence spanned hundreds of generations, yet long gone. And we ask ourselves, what if these myths have a kernel of truth? One thing is known, those who now claim to be descended from the fifth race are not eager to look back into the darkness, but events have conspired against them as long lost worlds outside of the gate systems have been discovered. The first artifacts and data have been studied, and now is the time for the true story to be told. These are the people of the fifth race, before they became saviors of the galaxy. Watch, listen and comprehend, then spread the lessons we learned from the people of the Earth and its Stargate command. Engage the translation matrix. Matrix ready. Input search phrase. Gatecast, a Stargate podcast. Gatecast implemented. Translation and interpretation engaged for Stargate archives. Audio format. Enhance, please. Gatecast additional data located. Gatecast.co.uk. Also under the heading Facebook, Google+, Twitter and iTunes. Gatecast. By fans, for fans. Stargate forever. And we're back, and it's time to look at some feedback uh, as we uh, head toward the end here. Let's see. Uh, We'll start with on the Facebook. James Curran says, As much as I dislike Series 7, I remember quite liking this one back in the day. Answer uh, an old question to R.E. Lister. Yeah, indeed. uh, How does he lose the arm? Uh, Somebody read Phil Baker? Phil Baker? Hmm? I'll do it. Oh, you just said someone read Phil Baker, so I read Phil Baker. Yep. (laughs) Oh, I see. (laughs) Phil Baker says, I really do rate this episode highly. A very tight plot with genuine peril. Cat's reaction to Lister leaving him anything he wants from his wardrobe is classic. I also (laughs) love the gross-out humour in this one. A very successful episode, in my opinion. Hmm. Ewan seems to agree, saying, Easily one of the best episodes of Season 7. Epidemic itself is probably the most divisive (coughs) aspect of this episode. Okay, so it is divisive. Uh, With some fans not being too keen on the voice acting performance, but I rather like it myself. In fact, Epidem's voice reminds me of the plant from Little Shop of Horrors. That would be the Audrey 2. Uh, let's see. The Leviathan looks fantastic. Uh, the Epidem plot is excellent, and there's a great deal of good comedy. Anyway, this is very much a return to form for Season 7. After a few middling episodes, Epidem... Or Episteme... I guess that would be knowledge of disease. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, Epidem gets back to the strong start it made with Ticket to Ride and Stoke Me a Clipper. Hmm. Oh, you finished. Is <laughs> he gone again? Yes. Uh, oh no, you're still there. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I just, I just, uh, I was waiting for the. Uh, <laughs> sto- uh, he just said, "Stoke me a clipper." I was like, "Is he gone?" <laughs> it's like a dramatic. <laughs> Damn you with your cliffhangers! <laughs> Stoke me a clipper, Mister Spock. Uh, Darren Forrester says a heart. 
Okay. That's what she said. That's what she said. Excellent <laughs> concept, but loses little in execution. Left myself silly at the arm removal sequence and very deeply enjoyed the man of a million voices. Gary Martin could have done with a touch more polish on the edit, though. Russ Greener says the Epidemic virus could have been a valuable asset to the Red Dwarf crew. Couldn't they have kept the arm alive in a jar and kept the voice thing hooked up? <laughs> Makes sense, sir. Now, to be fair here, uh, just and Russ, that's a bit of a spoiler because what if that's the next episode? It could have been. Now I'm going to assume that it's not. So, shame on you, Russ Greeno. <laughs> not really. It's fine. Uh, Darren, again, says one other thing. Uh, one of the rare eps containing Craig Charles' best physical comedy skill. Uh, the guy is awesome at comedy feints and pratfalls, and this one has a humdinger. Uh, and then him and Russ go back and forth. Uh, actually, both he and Kat fainted at different points in the episode. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Darren insists that uh, it's Craig Charles' specialty and that Danny John Jules just perfected his own fainting, so he didn't uh, pale in comparison in... To, uh, to Craig Charles's fainting. Actually, I remember Danny John Jules's faint more. I guess yeah, they, it was well, a comic you know, faint. Yeah, and and Craig Charles is like was like half off the screen yeah. when he fainted. Uh, the camera was right on Cat when he did it. So. Yeah, and the cat is in the mm. intro sequence as well. True. Oh, it is. Yeah. Cat is in uh, my favorite cat clothes today. That that uh, black and white striped coat, which I think is the one that Angela is wearing in her avatar that uh, Nutty Nuchas was kind enough to make I for think us. So. Okay. Uh, let's it. see. Did you say there were Twitter feedbacks? Yes. Yes, there is. There's so Holy many crap. Twitter feedbacks that I'm going to open up my Twitter app. To find <laughs> so many, uh, one, in fact, one. Oh, one. Okay, you got my uh, hopes up then. I, th- I actually <laughs> thought there was thousands and thousands of Red Dwarf <laughs> feedbacks on this episode. I had a feeling that everyone was holding off from series one to six and just waiting <laughs> for this one episode to leave their feedback. <laughs> The one. It would have. It would have been that good. We would have been number one trending worldwide. <laughs> and then people were like, "Why is Epidem trending?" And then everyone would be like, "Dude, it's the Red Wolf Introcast podcast. You need to listen to it." And we suddenly have sixteen million subscribers. <laughs> and then, like, we get we get all of the actors on the show, and that'll be awesome. Yes. And then and then Ian comes on and says, "We're not worthy." And then and then I wake up from my mad dream and then I apologize to Ian. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say in his uh, latest um Facebook picture he does look like Subo. <laughs> hey, Ian has been nothing but supportive of no, us. No, 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 uh, seriously, and... <laughs> you need to see his latest Facebook picture. Okay. Um, so, you know, I I met I, I commented on it. Okay. Sir, go on. So on, on Twitter. Angela. Yep, on, on Twitter, Twitter <laughs> then on Blair Twitter. Calvert says, um, "Awesome, Blair Calvert." About Epidem, uh, one of my least faves. Really depressing. <laughs> Although I do like Lister teasing KK, Christine Kachansky. Christine Kachansky. You only get 140 uh, <laughs> characters. I'll play on Carmen. 
Uh, mm-hmm. But teasing her about being a SWAT. Uh, not gender-based joke and mildly funny. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that that is a better interchange there. Not that, uh, haha, you wear a bra. It's shaped like Crichton's head uh-huh. now. Yeah. I was making sure I had my facts right there. Yeah, Audrey 2 was voiced by Levi Stubbs uh, of Motown fame. He was uh, with the Four Tops. Um, awesome voice. He also, weirdly enough, did the voice of Mother Brain on the children's show Captain N, which was basically a vehicle to sell Nintendo games. Uh, hold on, hold on. Is this... Is this, is this... Is this a real TV program? Or are you just winding us up? Oh, it is a real TV program. Very real. But Captain N. Uh, yes, indeed she was. But uh, well, and the mother would uh, indicate that. But yeah, uh, but yet Levi Stubbs did the. In fact, Audrey too, I guess, was female as well, in a way, seeing as how she had baby Audrey twos. But yeah, he did the voice. Um, and yeah, it was called Captain N, the Game Master, about a dude that gets sucked into his Nintendo and then has to defend the video game worlds from Mother Brain and various game villains. If it was a Nintendo yeah. cartoon, it probably wasn't very good. Oh, it's really it bad. was. It was horrible. It's it was horrible. Bad. Kid Icarus, for example, uh, after every few words would end Icus. He's like, oh, we're in big trouble, Icus. It was it was disgustingly bad. So we're talking, and yet I loved it as a child. We are talking Toad in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show level annoying, are we? Ah, uh, about that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, quotes or ratings? Ratings. Quotes. <coughs> ratings. Ratings. Yes. Uh, Sam, you get to go first. Right. Um, I enjoyed this episode, even though. It gave me nightmares when I was younger. It is one that... It's solidly written. Um, It's got an interesting villain to it. And there's a lot of laughs along the way. I'm going to give it... 7 out of 10... Decomposing... uh, Yeah, 7 out of 10 stogs from decomposing (laughs) ex-girlfriends. Nice. For those you say as an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Paul, what do you say? I say... I do like this episode. It is one of the best ones in the... For me, it's one of the best ones in um, the series. Um, <sighs> Epidemic is awesome. Obviously, that attributes to Gary Martin. Um... Lister, it was awesome in it. Crichton was good. I think this is the one of the first episodes where Kachansky actually fits in as a member of the team rather than I wanna go to find Dave, my Dave and it So I will give this eight out of ten laser bone souls. <laughs> nice. Chopping up chicken wings. <laughs> uh, Angela. I hate to say it. I, I was sort of um, mad about this episode. Hey, what? I, I was sort of like just, yeah, it's fine. And I didn't hate it, but I didn't particularly like it. 
and I, I'm not sure why, and it's really frustrating because I can't really put my finger on it, but it just sort of felt like, oh, okay, he's cutting off the arm. Oh, okay, there's a guy with a game show host. That's voice. That's annoying. Um, I don't know. And I liked some of the Kachansky bits, and I liked some of the cat bits, and apparently the Lister bits that are being left around the medbay. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Um, uh, Lister arm bits on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, what do you say? I enjoyed the episode, actually, for all the same reasons Paul does, actually. Um, um, you know, Apatim is amazing. Um, he really brings a hell of a lot to the episode. If it wasn't performed in that style, I don't think I would like this episode as much. Um, so, I'm going to have to agree with Paul, and I'm going to have to give it eight yo-yo championships uh, for myself I will say that yeah I, I really like this episode a lot um, it definitely I thought it, it, it was uh, more cohesive uh, than some episodes that we've had lately it had a definite storyline um, Craig Charles was spot on in it um, I I, I th- now I was going to say it was spot on, except for one little bit. Hmm. Just one, one, one little bit about Lister was the one scene where it was like, do you know when when uh, Crichton's in, inquisiting um, Epidem about um, what can make yeah. Starbucks faster? Mm-hmm. And then Lister just tells him the plot. I was like, Thanks. We, we needed that to get to the thingy because that's where they were going. I was like, oh, that that annoyed me. <laughs> well, they needed some exposition. <laughs> yeah, uh, but not, yeah, I, I thought for the most part Craig Charles was spot on. Um, the I think Kachansky was written better than she has been in some episodes. Uh, still had the the little bit of the Crichton annoyingness and so I would probably even go as as high as eight five but I'm still gonna knock off a point because I'm tired of whiny high pitched Crichton. So I'm going to give it seven point five out of ten U bend curvature equations. <laughs> nice. Okay. Quote time It is quote time. And <clears throat> Sam as our guest, it is your privilege to quote the first quote. Okay. And a great big hi to all you out there in Flesh and Blood Land. And tonight, Dave Lister, betting machine sub-operative and spice food connoisseur, this is your death. Your life. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> do, do you know, I had you marked down as a bit of a madam, but I really have to accept that I'm going to have to get to like you and, all, and that. I mean, you do annoy me to some degree, but really that... Mr. Lister! <laughs> <laughs> Uh... Can I have some more detail? Something a little bit more inspiring than can I hack off your limb? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Shane, did you have one? I, I did, but I, 
you can't seem to find the exact quote because it's from a deleted scene which is not in the uh, in the script book. Oh. Aww. So, um, e- I think it's, it's something one like, Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. In which direction should I go? That way? Hmm. That way? No. Or that way? Nice. Can you find the deleted scene for us to post? Uh, I can certainly I can certainly find that online. Basic, um, basically, it's at the end of the episode, and uh, Epidemic is the arm in deep space, and he go. No, so he points to the uh, left, and he points to the right. And then points at the camera. Th- then he points at the camera and it zooms in Aww. to the arm. That's cute. <laughs> nice. Uh, Angela, did you have a quote? Uh, let's see. Uh, well, speaking personally, I hardly didn't get no formal education at all. Uh. Kidding, Professor. (laughs) No, it's true, bud. That's why sometimes I don't know stuff. Like, well, practically everything, says the guy flying the ship. So I will quickly look up another quote, seeing as how I was about to read that one. No, I'm sorry, no, it's you cool. Stop me. Well, I've got two. I've well, got one. No. In the okay. Show. Well, can I do a quote? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, they're all going to be gone. Oh, let's see. Let's see. Um. Uh. Well, she might not remember me immediately. She might have amnesia. Amnesia? Yeah, ice does that. Gives me amnesia. Isn't that right, Kreitz? Uh, I don't recall hearing that, sir. You see? It's affecting him already. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am one. Yeah, go ahead. But I know Sam wants to say one of his first, so... Go ahead, no, no, Sam. go ahead. No, go, go on, Sam. Go. <laughs> I've just been molested by Tutankhamun's horny grandma. Of course I'm not smegging <laughs> all right. Ugh, the taste! I need to go gargle the toilet duck. That's a good one. Look, I haven't made a will. Chris, under my bunk, I want you to have the collection of some songs I wrote about you. Collection? Well, three. There's only two things that rhyme with Kachansky. And I used under, under, under Pansky twice. <laughs> hmm. I've got one last quote, and it's a deleted... It's from one of the deleted scenes. Um, It's from when they're first entering the Leviathan and they've just had the exposition and Catan and uh, Crichton and Lister have just walked down the steps. And Kochansky says to Cat, I hope that isn't real fur. I don't know. You'll have to ask the little squealy things I cut it off. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone got any more? Oh... Oh, my right arm. I did everything with that arm. We were inseparable. At least I thought we were. (laughs) (laughs) I take it we're taking to the Epitome virus? Give that man an eyebrow. Hey, I'm feeling generous. Give him two. Very nice. (laughs) Oh, that's me done. I'm done now. Okay. I'm a human being. No, not dead. Go ahead. Go ahead, love. I'm a hum- human being. I have certain qualities that elevate me above poultry. I can think. I can play the guitar. Better than a chicken? Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> no, not dead. Checked out. He's gone. And about 40 pounds of Incinerex blasting plastic has gone missing from the supply bunker 7. You think there could be a connection? 
any other one? Oh, yeah. Dave, listen to me. Dave, my Dave, had a saying. Even the word hopeless has hope in it. Maybe you had to be there. <laughs> my Dave. My <laughs> you have absorbed knowledge from... Okay. Dave, don't go through that door. If you go through that door, I'll never speak to you as long as you... Oh my god, how stupid am I? Mm. Well, according to my calculations, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. You absorb knowledge from every person you kill. So you can appreciate killing you exactly a career highlight. No offense, but when you're a virus, there ain't much call for knowing how to open a lager bottle with Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> He's right, the temperature's been a constant 90 degrees, and yet she's still completely cold and unresponsive. But what about this cop? <laughs> I loved that one I loved that one so much that was a great that's where their relationship should be Yeah. not dusting and whining it should be there see that's the one Uh, that's what I thought your quote was oh okay yeah I'd I'd misplaced it for the moment Um, my left arm I said that's my right what kind of navigation officer can't tell left from right (laughs) (laughs) Cat, you can have anything you want from my wardrobe. I can? Great! I need some hangers. Alright, from now on, you're doing any American voice on the show. And Cat. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we're almost done. All we have left to do now is tell you next week's episode. Okay. Um, what, what are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching... I was going to let you go for it. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> I was, was, was going to let you say it, the title. No, no, I was, was going <laughs> to okay. let you do it. Well, someone say it. Next week, we are watching Nanarchy. Nanarchy. Okay, spell that for me. N-A-N-A-R-C-H-Y, I think. Yeah. Okay. Now, what is a H? So is, is it's a... anarchy with an N in front of it, basically. <laughs> is is a H? Is that like a, a squiggly mark, or <laughs> is that one of your weird British How do you... accent marks? <laughs> oh, we're just messing. No, it's just H here. That doesn't make sense. Why would you lift? But that's the first left. The first syllable is the letter. Huh. Yes, and Y is pronounced with a W. What's your point? And Z doesn't have a D at the end. <laughs> um, but, but that, yeah, um, let's see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, and we also say Z instead of Z. Yeah, go figure. Z. Um, it's it's weird. Uh, nanarchy. Well, I suppose one would assume that it has to do with uh, nanites, and archy would indicate that, you know, like monarchy, so it indicates that they rule, that they take over. So... I guess it has to be nanites of some sort take over the ship, which is a little bit odd considering that we just had a virus take over Lister. Um, So Starbug gets a nanite infestation after Crichton tries to program medical nanites to rebuild an arm for Lister. Uh, And instead, the nanites take over Starbug and uh, they're going to crash it into the sun. 
And so then they decide that they should probably get back to looking for Red Dwarf like they were going to, like a few seasons back after they lost it. Uh, but ultimately they fail and they crash into the sun and die, Ooh. making season eight all about their ghosts. <laughs> okay, probably not that last bit. Uh, but no, up until, yes, nanites take over the ship and they have to find a way to regain control. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm going with. See, I went in the completely different direction. I was okay. thinking of Lister's Nan, but he's always oh, Nan. Nan. Oh. So we My find nan. out yeah. that not only is, is Kachansky his girlfriend and in some iterations wife and his mother, and, but she's also his grandmother. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Why not? In fact... And also his his father. <laughs> because he is also... Every member of his own family. Yes. Including the dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the dog. It's the only picture I had. Um, so, yeah. yes. Yes, that, that's, that's my prediction, and I'm always right, so... Here's the thing, though. I don't understand where the to be continued is coming in, though. If my if my theory is right and we have nanites, then why is it to be continued? Because what do the nanites have to do with the virus? So that's this is the thing I mean, I, you have to wait and see to find out what it is. That's what's pulling. That's what's pulling you in, isn't it? You're like, I want to see it. I want to know what it is, aren't you? You know, it usually yeah. pulls me into a television show. Good writing, good acting and good directing or in rare cases a shirtless tom welling <laughs> hey we, we we agreed not to speak of that <laughs> <laughs> all right well join us next week as either the nanites or lister's nan takes over starbuck <laughs> we shall see uh sam thanks for joining us once again it's always a pleasure it's always a pleasure for me as well Oh, and, uh, oh, who's our guest next week? It is Tech. <gasps> tech, the clockwork doctor. Indeed it is, yes. Oh, dear. Who we shall never uh, call Mr. Nuchas. Have to say. <laughs> yes, not Mr. Nuchas. <laughs> that was a silly one-off joke. I shouldn't have kept on with that. Um, all right. So we hope that uh, you all will join us uh, with Tech as we talk about Nanarchy next week. Bye! Bye! Bye. Bye. That was the magic word. Oscar to Jerusalem. My oh my. He can do magic, 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 magic a rabbit. Eight feet high. Ha ha, this away, ha ha.